0: Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Grant Lee, who is the CEO at Concept8 Group in Melbourne. Listen as Grant delves into his background in the sector, the different and new brands under the Concept8 Group, where the sector is heading, the expansion of the business, and what Concept8 has to offer a franchisee. Listen on to find out more.
1: Welcome everyone, my name is Ragu from Eden Exchange and I'm joined by Ellen Rogers on our team today.
0: Hello everyone.
1: Today our special guest is Grant Lee, who's the CEO of the Concept8 Group. Thanks so much for joining us today, Grant.
2: You're welcome, it's good to be here.
1: Fantastic. Look, can you start off by telling us about your professional background and what your current role is and how you first became involved with Concept8?
2: Yeah, Sure. My background is, fits nice and neatly into three different stages of my career. After finishing at Monash Uni, doing a marketing degree, I moved into advertising for about ten years. You know it, that was a great period of my life, where I worked with lots of well-known Australian companies like Myer and Bo repairs for tyres and Coles supermarkets. Uh, the RAF Air Force, Tabaret, the Age newspaper and a whole bunch of others. And so that was, you know, stage one. Then stage two was for almost 15 years, I went out on my own, opened up three businesses and ended up selling them. One was an advertising agency, one was an online shopping site and one was a employee benefits company. So I think that was really, that was a great thing to do for me, particularly for where we are at the moment, because I understand uh, what it's like to start up a business, to have a, you know, go to the bank and ask for an extension of your mortgage, borrow money to um, get started, to employ people. And, uh, you know, that's, I brought some of that thinking to Concept A, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, So that was, you know, I really enjoyed that period of my life and had a reasonable success um, selling the companies, grew them. At one stage, I employed 75 people. uh, And then I kind of had sold them all and didn't really know what to do. Was I ready to start up again? And I do another startup and I got tapped on the shoulder and was asked to go back into corporate world, which I did for another five years. And that was really good as well. I worked overseas for 12 months for a global software company, Traveling the World, setting up the marketing function for them. That was a company called VIX. They do ticketing technology. Then I worked at Vocus, which most people wouldn't know the name but they would know the brands. That was Dodo, phone and internet, iPrimus internet and Commander business phones. So worked as general manager, general manager in sales and marketing there and also had a stint at Lumo Energy looking after the marketing there. Then I sort of was just con- still consulting and I was asked to go to Concept8 and sort out their marketing and I'm still there. Two and a half years later, now obviously as the CEO of the company.
0: And what are some unique characteristics of the Concept8 business? Can you describe the type of clients you work with?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you the, well, Concept8 is we're a QSR or quick service restaurant uh, franchisor. So our clients are really the franchisees, which is obviously relevant to you. They need an exchange. And I think what's unique about us is we, is probably four things that I'd like to chat about. Firstly, our purpose. And I said I'd refer to this again, and this was the, the learning from when I had my own business and that mindset. And the purpose of Concept Date is to enable the aspirations and dreams of our franchise partners. So let's unpack that. What's that mean? You know, it sounds fancy, but what's it really mean? Well, we understand that every single person who starts up a business, whether it's a franchise or any business, you know, no one sets up to fail and they all have a dream of of what success is going to look like. And, you know, the dream involves, you you know, what they'll do with that success, whether it's educating the kids, Buying a bigger home, traveling more, being my own boss, not taking orders anymore—the dream changes for everyone. But they've all got a dream. No one starts a business without a dream of the future. And the team at Concept Eight—you know—they can all repeat this. Uh, you know, if you meet someone in the street one day you say, "What's your purpose?" I guarantee you, everyone that works at Concept Eight can will tell you what that is which is, you know, coming from corporate world, they'd be hard pressed to tell you what one of their values is. But so, you know, that makes us different. We believe it. And it's not because we're, you know, we're great people, although I think we are, it's because it makes good business sense. If we've got if all of our franchise partners are successful, then we're successful. And if they're not, then we're not. So for, on many levels, it makes sense. I think we're a family-owned business. For a company of our size, that's pretty rare. You know, usually by this stage, you know, it would have been sold to some sort of multinational. But we're a family-based business with family, the values you'd expect from a family-based business. At a sort of product level, the, the food that we cook, is all freshly cooked, so it doesn't matter which brand, whether it's Paddy Smith's or Walk in a Box or Noodle Box um, or Supreme Leader or Double Dragon Dumplings. You know, we pride ourselves in the fact that we cook the food in front of the customer. So it's not like, you know, we've all been to some of those, I won't name the cuisine, but some of those those dodgy restaurants where the, the order goes out behind a swinging door and God only knows what goes on behind there. You know, or if you ever had to go into the toilets of restaurants, <laughs> and you walk past the kitchen, you think, "Oh my God, <laughs> I've just eaten here." So uh, you know, we're proud of, of of the fact that everything's on display in all of our restaurants, and that won't ever change. Uh, certainly not while I'm CEO. So we're committed to doing that. And we were one of the first um, chain to uh, uh, food chains to to do that, to bring the food front and centre. So we'd say that's pretty unique. And the other thing is the fact that we're a multi-brand QSR. So we've got six brands that um, we franchise and we like to think that we can tailor the brand to the individual. So you don't have to come and just have a noodle box if, if that's not what you want to do, we'll you know you can come and cook burgers, or you can do chicken, or you can do dumplings. Um, so I think it's sort of a combination of all of that. It definitely makes us unique in the Australian marketplace.
1: And you and you touched on it before, but what can you tell us about the different brands under the Concept Eight banner? So how do they work together, and, and and who are they marketed to?
2: So, as I mentioned, we have six brands, and they're all complete, basically different. Noodle box and wakana box are very similar. So, noodle box and wakana box are a combination of Asian cooking. So, you know, we have dishes from Thailand, from Malaysia, from China. We do noodles, we do rice. It's all cooked in front of you, it's all cooked fresh. All of our ingredients are, are fresh our beef, our pork, our chicken. Um, our vegetables obviously there's no frozen the only thing that is frozen is the seafood because we just can't get that fresh so that's typically you aimed at your family it's probably you know our research shows that all family uh, all segments of society eat at noodle box and walk in a box so that's couples singles families kids and it's all pretty much evenly represented. If anything, we probably skew a little bit to uh, to families um, as, a, as opposed to singles. Uh, Paddy Smith's is a premium burger business. We're very excited about this business. It's, it's relatively new to us. The premium burger segment has still got a long way to, to go in terms of its growth. It's growing rapidly each year. And that target market there is, is more your singles and couples and your millennial. Uh, and millenn- millennials are you know, the biggest target set, target group or fastest growing group. Supreme Leader is our premium Korean chicken business. That's also targeted at millennial singles and couples is Southern Fried Chicken and Double Dragon Dumplings is uh, uh, where we've just launched. And that's, that's pretty much everyone.
1: Yeah, wow. So you've got a lot of elements covered there in your in your suite of brands. Um, so, look, where do you really envision these heading towards? I mean, the company in the future, and where do you see Concept Eight represented in the Australian market?
2: So, our future, you know, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about the future of Concept Eight. Two years ago, we had one hundred and ten franchisees, or franchises that we were sold. This year, we'll finish easily at two hundred. So I don't know anyone growing as fast as we are in the food, in the QSR uh, market. You know, we've got our target. Once we hit 200, we'll be chasing 300. So the directive from the board is growth. Uh, I suspect there'll be an acquisition in there at some stage. The last segment that we want to move into is the health segment. We're very bullish about the shift towards healthy eating, and I define the health segment as consuming food that is demonstrably positive for your body. So probably Boost Juice started you know, that segment you know, in terms of the amount of restaurants they've got or cafes, um, juice bars, whatever they call them that I see. And then there's some fringe players out there, people like Soul Burger and uh, Lord of the Fries and others are doing elements of healthy eating. Um, but we definitely see that segment as, you know, it's growing at 10 to 20%, and we want to be in it. So, our future definitely involves moving, and having restaurants in that uh, that offer that.
0: So, where is your main focus of development for your brands? Is there a particular state or territory that you're focusing on at the moment?
2: Uh, yeah, we're in Perth, we're in Adelaide, we're in regional South Australia, we're in Tasmania. We'll be in Canberra next month. We're in far north Queensland. So we're in Cairns, Townsville, Rockhampton, Toowoomba, all through Brisbane, Gold Coast. So, yeah, definitely New South Wales is the focus. This is the year where we need to move into Sydney.
1: Now, in terms of the growth of – there's obviously been a a significant evolution of the brand – uh, since you've been leading the helm as as well as um, beyond, so what are some key milestones you're most proud of? On the other hand, what are some major challenges you've really had to overcome to get the business to where it is today?
2: Probably, you know, I'll talk about a macro event and a micro event that we're equally as proud of. I think growing from 110 to 200 franchises in little under two years, is a massive achievement, and you know, so incredibly proud of that. Probably more proud of the team that did it. Um, so, you know, I've been blessed by with assembling a team that unbelievably good at what they do, and you know, it's easy to hire people, but it's hard to hire a team that are aligned in terms of your culture, in terms of your vision, in terms of your purpose. And our team absolutely are aligned. You know, we've got a lot of sayings in the business, and the one that's probably the most pertinent, and there's a there's a this saying's in in our head office. It's a quote from Charles Darwin. Uh, the quote is, and I'll read it for you, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor is it the most intelligent. It's the one most responsive to change. And I think as we're seeing with this COVID-19 event, I can tell you that our team just, you know, this was just another week pretty much for us when it all occurred because we're used to changing um, Mm. and everyone on the team Understands uh, the reason was you know, we had to transform our business with the advent of home delivery. So everyone listening to this podcast, I guarantee you, they've ordered from Uber Eats, menu log delivery, they've had their food delivered to their home. Well, that didn't occur three years ago in Australia, you couldn't get that done apart from pizza. I think you know, there's a few pizza people doing it, but to do it on the scale that it's getting done on now and it's become part of everyone's weekly routine. You know, I have one or two meals delivered and I can tell you, go back to that millennial group that are a a key target. There's millennials out there that are having every meal delivered. Mm. So in terms of the micro thing that I'm most proud of, our franchise partner in Altona, so he came to the end of his lease and because of, Anyone listening to this podcast, don't sign a lease with a 5% annual yeah. increase. <laughs> The Anyway, he, he had signed a 10-year lease with a 5% increase built into it and found himself with a, with a rent of 95000 a year for a little shop in Altona, which uh, we moved him. The landlord came to us and said, oh, well, we just want to continue at 95 and put another 5% increase. We thought that didn't sound right. So we moved our franchise partner. He's now two kilometres down the road and paying 45000 It cost him, I think, 50000 to move total. He's got a brand new store built and his sales doubled. And I could tell you lots of instances like that. But then, you know, you go back to our purpose. The purpose is to uh, enable the aspirations and dreams of our franchise partners. So that doesn't just mean collecting their royalty. It means doing absolutely everything in your power to help them and to make sure that they achieve and to make sure they have success. And if that means we will pick them up and move them, we will. And, you know, there's also a financial contribution that we made, but I won't go into all of that. So there's... You know, those, I could tell you 10, 20 of those events that have occurred where we've stepped in and helped our partner grow their business. They're the things I'm most proud of.
0: That definitely sounds great. So just taking a step back and talking about mobile delivery services at the moment, you mentioned Uber. Considering the economic uh, market at the moment, where's the majority of your revenue coming from? Do you find significant value in symbiotic services such as Uber Eats?
2: I love Uber. I'm their biggest fan. Maybe if I take a step back, there was a key report written by UBS Investment Bank in 2018. It it, it sort of occurred, I'd just started as CEO. And in that report, they estimated that home delivery would go from 35 billion. In 2018, to 365 billion by 2030. I'll just repeat that number because it's just it's incredible. 35 billion to 365 billion.
1: Well, you know, it's an incredible number, isn't it? It's a, it's it blows the mind essentially how rapidly that's changing.
2: Uh, yeah. So we had to change our business model completely. That's why I said when COVID nineteen came. We didn't skip a beat because we'd already changed. But to answer your question, we have businesses, our companies at the moment, probably 60% is still walk in and take away and 40% is home delivery. But that's growing. Each it It grows a little bit more, the home delivery. But two years ago, we... You know, go back to you know Charles Darwin, the ones that survive are the ones most responsive to change. So, we unpacked the business completely and re engineered everything in the business and said, Okay, what does success look like if 100% of your business is home delivery? You know, that's that's uh, when 90% of our business was walk in and dine in. So, that's a confronting meeting but that's the meeting we had to have. And it took us, it's taken us two years to engineer the business completely. But when COVID-19 came up, we were just ready. So I suspect that the trend will keep going to home delivery away from dining. And, you know, we are absolutely ready.
1: I, I, I mean, a lot, it, it, you know, almost making a very complex process sound um, simplified or easy, but a lot of work, and strategy and dedication has gone into what you've achieved in realigning the business, uh, as well as the work gone done in, um, sorry, work that has been done in the reducing the costs of franchisees to different innovative kitchen models and whatnot. I mean, how did you go about doing that in terms of that process to get it to where it is today? Yeah, That must've taken a lot of research, teamwork, and, and strategy to get that all together.
2: Yeah. So there's, there's things we talk about publicly and there's things that we don't. We're, we're getting close to the things that we don't. But go back to the team,
0: you know,
2: as, as I said, you can have a team that don't want to change, that keeps saying, oh, the way we used to do it is the best way or that's the way I, I know how to do it or I don't want to change. I don't want to do it that way. I don't buy into it or whatever. It, I don't have the skills to change. But uh, So it took a while to assemble the team. About half the team um, uh, have left and then I brought in people that bought into the vision and that were change agents who love change. You know, change is a funny thing. Half the people probably don't really like it and other half love it. They get bored if things aren't changing. So it was assembling, a you know, the executive team that loved change with change was really important. And you're right, It's not. it wasn't easy. We had to look at every single element of our business. We had to look at the marketing. We had to look at uh, the suppliers that we buy from. We had to look at our SOPs, so how we cook meals. We had to look at the ingredients of the, the meals. We had to look at our pricing models. We had to look at our franchise agreements. We had to look at training, obviously. Um, we had to, um, we change our, we used to have business service managers and business service managers were basically like police, police people. They just came and <laughs> told, told you off for not doing the right thing. And, you know, we didn't need that. That's not fulfilling our purpose. That's not helping a franchise partner. Um, and we changed them to business development managers. That meant re-employing, making some people redundant because they didn't have the skill set. And our business development managers have mostly got marketing degrees now. So they're there. If they don't have marketing degrees, they've got um, accounting degrees or some form of business degree. And they go in and they treat their partner, they treat the business like their own and they give, you know, fantastic advice. So, you know, you're right, it, 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 to get to today took two years.
0: Okay, and speaking back on change, do you have any new brands you are developing or working on at the moment? I mean, you already have some pretty substantial brands already under the Concept 8 banner.
2: Mm-hmm. Is
0: there anything new?
2: Uh, yeah, the, the new one is Alabama Wings. So Alabama Wings is um, southern fried chicken done in um, a, a range of spices called dry rubs and a range of sauces, and uh, we're very, very enthusiastic about this brand. So that's you know that's sort of like launching next week. So you know, the other one is is as I also mentioned before is you know the health segment. Otherwise the the rest of the focus is on the brands that we've got and growing the business with those brands.
1: All right, fantastic. Now in, in terms of the um in terms of what can a franchisee expect yeah. when they take on a franchise with concept eight. So what type of supports and, and training can you offer someone looking to really make a go of it?
2: Yeah. So our name, Concept Eight. Concept came from We used to be called Asian Restaurant Concepts, so we wanted to try and keep something from that. But clearly, when you're doing Alabama Wings and Supreme Leader Chicken and Patty Smiths, you're no longer Asian Restaurant Concepts. That sort of didn't make any sense. So we wanted to keep the concept, so that's concept, and the eight refers to the eight services that we offer our franchise partners. The the services are finance, so we give finance help, We give training, obviously, so we've got a training team that goes into the restaurants and trains all the staff, the franchise partners, uh, marketing. So we've got a marketing team of six that look after all the marketing for our franchise partners. We've got a project team that go in and build the franchises. They do the refits, renovations, equipment, network development when it comes time to to recruit, and but if it comes time to sell, they get in involved uh, supply chain. So we look after packaging drinks, just getting all the food um, delivered for the franchise partners, and then operations with our business development managers. So they can expect to have access. You know, when you buy a franchise from us, you're definitely not alone, and you've got deep skills with those eight services, which, you know, if you go to McDonald's or Hungry Jack's or Red Rooster or Domino, any of those, they're going to have those eight services as well. So we built our company. I consulted Hungry Jack's for about five years, a while back. And uh, so, you know, I know that you know, these are the services that are required for a successful business. And our BDMs, I'm happy to report that our BDMs have roughly 17 restaurants each to look after. I employed someone from another franchise group who remained nameless and they had 45 restaurants to look after. So that's kind of the number we want to keep it at, around about 17. So we think that that's about it to successfully help a, a franchise partner. And then, you know, they can expect superior marketing. Obviously, with my background in advertising and marketing, uh, I'd like to think that, you know, marketing is, is the way to grow. Uh, it's, it's critical to the growth of your business. And that's why we've employed BDMs pr- primarily with a marketing background. They can expect a, you know, those family-based values, but the services that you're going to get if you go with a big chain, the, the personal service and the care, um, from a family-based business.
0: Okay, so the QSR entities are one of the most adaptive and modern enterprising businesses in the market. And just talking about 2020, it this year did not turn out the way anyone really planned it, I think. So because of what everything that's going on and because QSR businesses are the most adaptive, what new trends are you seeing in the future?
2: Yeah, well trend that's just not going to go away is home delivery more and more people be eating um, in in the home and you know we're seeing we're seeing growth in the breakfast segment which you know I I quite frankly didn't think we'd see but the breakfast segment is the fastest growing segment I'm pretty old school I could still cook my bacon and eggs in the morning (laughs) or pour myself some muesli but it seems that some can't the um, growth in lunch still has a way to go home delivery at lunchtime Uh, i suspect that uh, you know more people do dinner so home delivery is massive um you know go back to that ubs uh, quote 35 billion in 2018 to 365 billion in 2030 now even if they've got that wrong it's still massive growth so home delivery is not going away it's going to get it's going to um, increase dramatically. The other thing, uh, trend that we're seeing is this shift to health. You know, everyone's getting more and more aware of what they're putting into their body. Yeah, we're happy to feed you a, a burger and some fries, but, you know, everything in moderation is, is the catch cry. And, you know, we'd love to sell you a... Uh, a premium health meal you know, that's demonstrably good for your body. We'd like to sell you that as well you know, through one of our franchises. So the health segment has got a long way to grow, depending upon your estimate. you know, Included in the health segment is the shift towards vegan and vegetarian. So I, I would expect a decline in protein consumption and a, an increase in, in vegetable-based meals. That's why we want to get into that segment, and I think growing consumer awareness about what's good for them and what's not. But at the end of the day, you know, they'll still eat, they'll still eat chicken, they'll still eat burgers, they'll still eat noodle boxes, they'll still eat rice and chicken and what whatnot. And probably attached to that is, you know, this the whole theory of you know flexitarian, being a flexitarian. And a flexitarian is someone who has a predominant, has a preference towards eating vegetables, and they may do that five days a week. But then on the weekends, they'll jump into a steak and a burger and some chicken. So that's growing as well rapidly. So they're the changes that I see. Yeah,
1: Fantastic. So very insightful. So now, look, there'll be plenty of people listening to this, they're like, thinking about, taking that plunge into to business ownership or, or thinking about becoming or inquiring about a business with Concept 8. Is there any food for thought worth noting or any key piece of advice you'd want to give to someone thinking about that?
2: Well, maybe if I – can I just address that and let's just say you, you've made the decision that you want to have a go at owning your own business and that's not for everyone. There's something like for the first 10 years of my working life, I didn't want to own my own business, but something started happening around year 10 <laughs> where it's an itch that needs to get scratched. And, you know, it's, I just wanted to. So I assume anyone listening to this podcast has probably got to that point in their life where they want to own their own business. Now, So let's assume that that's a given. Your choice is roughly two, you've got two paths. You just do it yourself, which is what I did, or you can take on a franchise and take on a partner. And when you take on a franchise, you're taking on a partner. You're not alone. You've got a group of people who who want you to succeed, who have skills that you don't have. And, you know, whilst the franchise the franchise community has had some bad press and it's been appalling, some of the things that have gone on, but, you know, as in society, there's some, there's some awful people in society and the franchise community attracted a, a few as well. And, you know, I won't name them here, it's not for me to do that, but some of the behaviour of some of them is just... It literally makes me sick and I wish that some of them were in jail for what they did. They should be in jail, you know. Anyway, so I'd invite you, you know, talk to the franchisor and I'd ask them these eight, well, one question, but say, do you have a marketing team? Do you have a supply team? Do you have someone that does my fit-outs? Do you have someone that can sell my business? Do you have someone who can give me finance advice? Do you have training? Just go through those eight services. There's a hell of a lot of franchisors out there that say, oh, we do all these things. Well, ask to meet the person who does them. You should be able to sit around a table with eight different people with deep expertise in their in their area of expertise. And at concept Date, we've got them. So we're happy to chat to anyone, anytime. Come to your boardroom. Sometimes we fly people down because we're confident enough to, to our Melbourne headquarters. So go in and meet the people. Demand to meet the head of marketing. Demand to meet the head of training. And ask them questions because that's what your royalty goes to. I mean, it's, there's a lot of people out there that are great at taking the royalty, but you've got to give something back. <laughs> and, and what you've got to give back is is a team that has those eight skills that I talked about. So um, my advice is, is do your homework, talk to some franchise partners as well. Now, a lot of, you know, A lot of people don't want to do that, um, I understand, but at least go to the headquarters of the franchisor and meet the people. And, you know, I'm aware of some of our competitors in some of our categories. You know, there's one person that does, you know, he's the head of finance, the head of supply, the head of marketing. Uh, There was one that was just appalling that I met. There was two of them doing all those services. You know what happens when you get two people doing all those services? no services get done. So yeah, that's that would be uh, my advice.
1: Excellent stuff, Grant. Look, it's been um, extremely insightful talking to you, so we appreciate having you on today. Look, for anyone interested, there will be some you know, contact us options near the podcast. We encourage you to, to put your name down and, and one of the team will be in touch with you to to get your journey going with the company, we also encourage you to head to the Concept 8 websites and the different brand sites to check out in more detail the, the, the brand itself um, and also the offering in place. But, Grant, look, we'd love to have you on in soon for the update as you tick those lofty goals off with your expansion. And it's been a pleasure chatting to you today.
2: Thank you for your time and thanks for listening. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Grant.
2: Okay. Bye.
0: Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Grant Lee, who is the CEO at the Concept8 Group in Melbourne. To find out more about the brands under the Concept8 Group or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram for recent info on the buying, selling and investing world.